You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue Views audio lineup. Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato for our next New York Giants preview for week three of the Giants schedule as they will be facing off with the Atlanta Falcons. Before we get into that, though, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our episodes and leave us a five-star review if you are a enjoyer of the podcast and you'd like to help us uh, you know, give some positive feedback. So as I said, guys, today we're breaking down the Falcons. That game is going to be uh, 1 o'clock on Sunday. It is going to be at MetLife Stadium. And I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but I think most people who've been watching any of these Falcons games or just seen glimpses of them or even just seen the scores, the box scores, this might be the best opportunity for the Giants to get their first win of the year. Again, try not to get too ahead of ourselves. Diving right into the offense, though, guys. This this team has seriously struggled in the first two weeks. Once against the Philadelphia Eagles, which aren't necessarily the most explosive team. And then the other game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they did not look very good at all. So both of these games, we've seen some serious offensive issues. What do you guys think is you know one of the biggest problems that this Falcons team deals with? I would say part of it is just finding traction under their new uh, coaching staff, uh, adjusting to not having Julio Jones on offense. Their defensive problems go back um, a long ways. All in all, you know, like the the Eagles game, I think pretty much everyone was surprised at how well the Eagles played that week. I'm not sure anyone was surprised that the Buccaneers played as well as they did last week. Yeah, th- this Falcons team, you know, we noted it in our pre- our off-season preview of the team. They have problems. They've got players on both sides of the ball, but they've also got a lot of holes. I don't I don't think the the Falcons really know their offensive identity yet, and they haven't necessarily had an opportunity to establish their offensive identity. We know Arthur Smith comes over from Tennessee. We know that he likes to he liked with Derrick Henry, of course, the personnel's different one, Mike Davis and Cordero freaking Patterson, which is insane. He liked to run the football and then build that uh, build a, with wide zone, stretch zone, inside zone type of runs, and then build the play action rollout game off it. Matt Ryan's not that type of quarterback. He's not as athletic as Ryan Tannehill is, but they haven't even really been able to do that because they've gotten themselves into a position offensively where they kind of just had to throw the football and abandon the running game because Philadelphia took their defense to task, and then we saw what Tom Brady did in the first half, and that game ended up being somewhat competitive down the stretch until Matt Ryan threw two pick sixes. But I know a lot of people who watched that film intently, the all 22 version of it. They said Matt Ryan played really well 
and he was a competitor, but he just forced a couple balls late in the game that really makes the box score look worse than it actually was. I don't really want to write Matt Ryan off. I think he can probably get the most out of Kyle Pitts in this game, and Kyle Pitts could be in for a breakout type of affair against the Giants. Calvin Ridley is a very, very good cornerback that James Bradbury is going to have his hands full with, but I don't know, Chris. Like, Do you think, because I, I kind of think this, Washington's offensive line was really, really good against the Giants' four-man pressure package. I think this offensive line with Caleb McGarry as your right tackle and the interior offensive line, which is you know, solid at best, maybe even adequate with uh, with Jalen Mayfield and and Matt Hennessy starting. I think the Giants can really put some pressure on Matt Ryan in this game at MetLife Stadium. How do you feel, though? Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, I think we'll probably see Atlanta bust out a lot of really quick tempo type offense. I think they're already one of the fastest offenses in the NFL, and I I think we'll see more of that. You know, a lot of quick timing passes, uh, maybe quite a few swing passes. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Cordero Patterson. He actually kind of jumped off the tape to me against Tampa Bay as a guy who could be an issue. You like you don't expect a guy like that switching from wide receiver to running back to be a big threat. But as a, I, I almost don't even think of him as a running back. Almost like you know, go back back in the day they had a, the slot back and like what was it the flex bone formation something like that. You know he is almost halfway between a slot receiver and a running back. And I could see them making use of him to kind of sneak in behind the linebackers in front of the defensive backs and picking up quick, easy yards that way. Yeah. You mentioned Calvin Ridley. He is a good receiver. Uh, He could be a problem for the Giants secondary, but overall this is a game where the Giants defense should be able to control the flow and pace of the game. The only question is, will they? Especially, especially on that short week as well. And it's also funny too, because we talk a lot about Cordero Patterson and rightfully so he's a, he's a dangerous target out of the backfield and they're using him on like a gap runs and stuff like that. But Mike Davis is their primary back and Mike Davis we saw what he did with Carolina last year. He's also someone who had seven targets against the Buccaneers and six in the previous week against the Eagles. So he's going to be heavily involved as well in the passing attack towards the flat. So it's going to be on these Giants defenders when they are in those in the cover two shell, those cornerbacks to really kind of look out because we don't want the Giants defense to get nickel and dime to the flat by these running backs who can make men miss in space. No, not at all. And it- the Falcons do seem to be using the quick passes to Mike Davis, to Patterson, uh, you know, some of their receivers, as almost a substitute for their running game, particularly as they start to fall behind. Uh, you mentioned how the box score against Tampa Bay looked worse than the game did, and there was a point, you know, just before the or just at the start of the fourth quarter when it was a three-point game. Uh, Atlanta had scored. Two touchdowns pretty quick. Matt Ryan ran in a two-point conversion, which when's the last time we saw Matt Ryan run anything anywhere? And it, it looked like Tampa was, or I'm sorry, it looked like Atlanta was going to make a game out of it and maybe even come up with the upset. Then, you, of course, you had the two turnovers. And you know that was really all there was to it. You, 
no team can overcome two pick sixes, especially in the fourth quarter. If they could avoid mistakes, they do still have offensive firepower. And if the Giants don't win the line of scrimmage, if they don't pressure Matt Ryan into making those mistakes, yeah, they sh- they can't be ignored. And I think another thing that really sticks out with the issues here going on in Atlanta, I just want to bring this up. If if you've just taken the time to look and see what they've done in terms of running the football, it is pretty problematic over these past two games. Mike Davis, who is supposed to be their lead running back, hasn't even gone over 50 yards in either contest. They're, they're ineffective in running the football, which frankly is a bit confusing in this game or, or so far with the Falcons because Arthur Smith was brought in to be this, the, this run-oriented head coach who was the offensive coordinator for Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans, where they all they did was run the football at people, and they did a really good job of it. And here we are now, in two weeks, they can't even run the football. And it's not like they're struggling. They're just straight up not producing any yards. And, I, and part of me thinks that their problems might be stemming from that because they can't effectively create any big plays running the ball or any, any good yardage running the ball. This offensive line is not really doing an effective job of opening up any lanes for those guys. So I think, like, you know, just from what we've seen, running the ball seems to be a pretty big issue for the Falcons. I think it's a combination of things that you just touched on, Joe. One, the the Falcons offensive line, especially in the interior parts, they're they're young, they're a little bit inexperienced. I don't think they have a lot of power at the point of attack just yet. They could probably use a little bit better footwork and cohesiveness along that line, specifically with Jalen Mayfield who is their left guard, I believe. And then another is they played the Eagles in week one who just shut down the 49ers rushing attack pretty well. And I think that defense is probably better than a lot of us anticipated. Then they played the Buccaneers who are basically a funnel defense where you just can't run the football against Vita Vea and that front. Instead, you kind of have to force uh, them to pass against Carlton Davis and, and Antoine Winfield Jr., a very talented secondary. So I think they just got off to a start against two really good run defenses. Their interior offensive line isn't that great. And now they got to face the Giants who, outside of allowing rushes to the edge, they've been really good at still occupying the A-gap. It's really those outside rushes, and it seems to happen a lot towards O'Shane Zimenez whenever he's in the game, sometimes with Aziz Ojolari. I mean, if we go back to week one, that 70-yard touchdown run was was kind of on Aziz Ojolari who just got bullied out of the spot there. So I think... I think they're probably not going to have a lot of success against this giant front, but I will say if they can get creative and attack the edge every time O'Shane is out there, that's the one one point of emphasis where I think they might be able to run the football on this Giants defense, which I still consider a solid rush defense, even though I think they're missing Dalvin Tomlinson pretty badly as well because Danny Shelton's not as good at occupying those two linemen against zone blocking schemes, and that kind of makes Blake Martinez's job a lot more difficult to scrape over the top and put himself into a position to make the tackle. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's also just the leads that, Philadelphia and Tampa jumped out to it. Atlanta was able to make up ground against the Buccaneers. But once they jumped out to like a two touchdown lead, you know, right around the mid game. Yeah. At that point, they didn't really have any choice, but to abandon the run and go to a much more up tempo offense, just because they were, even though it was, wasn't even the fourth quarter yet, you know, they were running out of time. You, you can't give, Tom Brady with all of those weapons, 
uh, a two touchdown lead and time. So we're going to get to talking about this defense too uh, very shortly. Before we do though, folks, we're just going to take a really quick commercial break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So now flipping the page to this Falcons defense that seems to be pretty porous after two weeks, and they they played two different levels of talent in terms of the offenses that we saw. We talked about the Eagles. We talked about the the Buccaneers, and I I think we can all agree that those are two completely different offenses (laughs) to see in the first two weeks, and to allow over 30 points to both of them is pretty concerning. But if we're diving into the specifics of how this roster is built, they have two very good players on their defensive line Dante Fowler, who has bounced around multiple teams, is still an explosive pass rusher. And on top of that, Grady Jarrett, their interior defensive lineman, is a very, very tough player to block. And last week we saw Jonathan Allen completely feast on a struggling interior offensive line group for the Giants. Yeah, I would say that those are the two must-win matchups in this game for the Giants. Yeah, Dante Fowler... Former first-round pick out of Florida, yeah, he's not the—he's not one of these long, bendy edge players. He's more compact and definitely explosive. You know, he's only six foot two. He's listed at two sixty. He might be—that's eh, probably about fair. But he has an excellent first step. That—that that just kind of jumps off the field to me. And he is really dangerous when he times the snap well. You know, I saw him start to get into a groove against Tampa, and there were times he was moving. It, it was moving so soon it was almost offsides. He started moving almost before everything but the center's hand started moving. And that makes life difficult for the offensive tackles, especially considering, you know, the struggles the Giants offensive tackles have had, particularly with speed. And Grady Jarrett, he is kind of, you know, Grady Jarrett, he is low-key one of the better defensive tackles in this NFL. You know, he finished, I believe it was the third overall in pass rush win rate last year, uh, basically just behind, uh, I believe it was Aaron Donald and Quinnen Williams. And, and then he was, eighth in run stop win rate so he he is a quality run defender and a quality pass rusher and when you can have a good edge and a good defensive tackle that does give you some options with your front seven it definitely gives you options and Grady Jarrett 
I mean, going back to Dan Quinn's defense, he was that prime three technique, undersized overachiever who really developed himself into one of the better interior pass rushers in the league. Last year, he's coming off of 57 pressures, which may have been the most in his career. And Dante Fowler had 30, and and he also missed some time uh, last season. But that's a potent one-two punch for pass rushers. I I think the Giants' offensive line – specifically Billy Price is going to probably have his hands full a little bit whenever Jarrett does kick to a two-eye or a one technique. It seems like he's been playing a little bit more outside in this Dean Pease defense. Dean Pease, we Giant fans know him all too well. 2007 defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots called the uh, cover zero when the Plexico Burris (laughs) beat Ellis Hobbs in the back of the end zone. We all remember that. And Dean Pease, I mean, he's He's very similar to Patrick Graham in the sense that he has a, mul- a multiple type of defense. He- he'll align with three down. He'll align with two down. He'll align with four down. He'll really uh, base it off of the offense's game plan. So it-, it can be maybe a little bit unpredictable. But those are the two up front that you have to worry about because a lot of the other names aren't necessarily players who are known to generate a lot of pressure. Some of them are just solid run defenders. They they execute their assignments well, but they're not necessarily players that are going to be explosive off the snap and really stress with speed like Fowler definitely is. And then like Grady Jarrett Candy specifically against this Giants interior offensive line that was kind of concerning against Washington. Yeah. And I would say that the, like you said, the rest of their guys, not terribly concerning. Uh, Marlon Davison, I drafted second round last year out of, out of Auburn. Yeah, he can be disruptive. He got a sack against Tom Brady. Um, also, you know, they're a rookie out of Notre Dame. Uh, I believe one of Joe's guys last year. Yeah, he's raw, but long arms, explo- explosive linear athlete anyway. He is... I don't think he's going to be a big problem, but he could be somebody to keep an eye on. Also, you mentioned just how multiple their defensive front is. I noticed they played a lot of basically two down linemen. It was basically a 4-2 defense, but it listed as a 2-4 front. And I thought that gave them quite a few options for scheming pressures. You know, A few times they would have one of their edges, I believe it was usually 55 drop into coverage and then replace him with a blitzer uh Deion jones i th- i think that's who it was got home or at least pressured brady a few times and you know if the giants communication along the offensive line which you know losing nick gates that has been shuffled if that is an issue you know if there are communication breakdowns you're really going to have to watch for those replacement blitzes and you know any pressure the falcons do decide to scheme up so you guys have made note of some things with their secondary that i think are going to be important for this game and you know the first one being the fact that kenny galladay might be in in a position to have a better performance than what we've seen over the last two weeks we talked about it a little bit when we broke down the washington game saying that Kenny Galladay has been pretty disappointing for all the money that they're paying him. But, you know, here we are um, going up against a team that is a little bit porous in their secondary and also no A.J. Terrell because of an injury. So is this matchup going to be a good opportunity for Galladay to possibly get his feet underneath him and get into rhythm for the rest of the season? 
Absolutely. I think this could be the squeaky wheel gets the grease type of game. We saw how he was giving Jason Garrett some uh, some flack after that, I think, second to last drive the Giants had. Because I'm assuming he's like, hey, I'm open, get me the football, you know, et cetera. And just kind of let frustration out. And it looked like he was yelling at Daniel Jones. But Daniel Jones just looked like he was kind of not sticking up for Garrett, but just trying to calm the situation down. So with some leadership there, Daniel Jones. But, I mean, come on. We're talking about Kenny Galladay without A.J. Terrell against Isaiah Oliver and Fabian Moreau. That is a really um, advantageous matchup for this six foot four, 215-pound receiver who just got paid a boatload of money and seems to be a little bit frustrated with the team being 0-2. I think Kenny Galladay can have a really good, uh, really good game in this matchup. I really do. And I think there's going to be there's going to be plays designed for him specifically in the red zone. So I would look out for that. Yeah, and just to note, AJ Terrell went down with a, with a concussion. So it is yeah, he's in the protocol at as of this point, you know, we don't really know where he is. He could be cleared in time to play. I haven't seen anything either way on that one. And I'm going to be honest too, Chris, even if AJ Terrell's there, I think Terrell, he's a, he's a solid player, but I still think Kenny Galladay could take his lunch money. Yeah. Or at least he should. He should. Yeah. I mean, Mike, like AJ Terrell, big, long type of cornerback, somebody who uh, seems to be the prototype for a receiver like Kenny Galladay, but AJ Terrell has struggled against Mike Evans in his young career. He struggled against other big body type of receivers. So I really, uh, I think Galladay would win that matchup uh, regardless if he's there or not. Yeah, agreed. I I'd also like to say at at this point, you know, as we're sitting here recording, Evan Ingram is practicing. It looks like he's moving well, at least in what the you know reporters who are there for the Giants practice have been able to catch on their phones. It's possible we could see Evan Ingram, and you know, the Falcons so far this year have simply loved cover two shells. You know. I believe they've called cover two as much as both cover one and cover three put together. And the fact that their two primary shells are cover two and cover three, that could provide an opportunity for Evan Ingram, especially if the giant, if he does play and the giants let him get vertical, you know, going down the field, you know, those coverage zones, you can split the safety, you can attack the seams in those zones and that is really what Ingram was drafted to do. So this could set up to be a really good opportunity for his debut. Which I would really look forward to. And honestly, I mean, people don't like Evan Ingram all that much because of all the mistakes he's made. But I've been saying this. He he could still be a valuable weapon and a, and a, have a solid role in this offense despite the fact that there are so many other options because defenses have to respect his speed. They have to respect his vertical ability if Jason Garrett decides to use him in that manner. And if you watch Kyle Rudolph, and I liked the Kyle Rudolph signing from the standpoint that I believe he's a better fit in terms of his the way he catches the football, his concentration, his sure hands, and his ability to run those quick stick options. But he looks slow out there, man. He does look slow. And I'm not advocating for Evan Ingram to continue to run stick because I do feel like he really struggles to kind of turn his 
turn his body back towards the quarterback, quickly focus on a football, locate it and bring it in. But if you want to use him up the seam and kind of unlock the vertical aspect of Jason Garrett's offense that we expected to receive when he was the offensive coordinator, there's not really many better tight ends to do that from an athletic standpoint than Evan Ingram. So let's see if we get to see that against this Atlanta defense. I mean, he'd be matched up against these safeties, which he can definitely take advantage of Jalen Hawkins. Deron Harmon's getting a little bit long in the tooth. Eric Harris was never an athletic type of safety. And Deion Jones, he's somebody who would do a solid job covering Evan Ingram. But even Evan Ingram on the right cut can get the best of an athletic linebacker like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like the only question is, will would the Giants do that? And so far, except for, you know, really under Ben McAdoo, Ingram's rookie season, the team just has not wanted to use Ingram as a vertical threat. You know, you talk about the stick routes, but he was basically undefendable when he ran the stick nod, where he'd get defenders to bite on the stick part of the route and then just turn upfield. And yeah, I believe that resulted in what, four touchdowns, six touchdowns off of that route in particular. So it would be great to see the Giants bring that back. Ah, the stick and nod. One of the best plays in Madden to run if you have a good tight end. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently also in the NFL if, uh, if you're capable of running it. <laughs> so I think that's going to be it for this preview for the Atlanta Falcons game in week three. Folks, thank you for hopping on and tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and also leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening. We'll talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Currents Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.